happy Easter. He is risen. We can do better than that, can't we? We can, can't we, Christine? He is risen. Amen. And it's because he's risen, the cornerstone of Christianity all hangs on. Uh, the resurrection for which there is ample evidence. So we can be confident that Jesus is risen, he's alive, and he's with us now, which is good, isn't it? Yes. So I'm going to pray for us in a second, and um, then I'm going to just read some notices, and then we'll worship some more. Father, we thank you that you did give your son, Jesus, our Redeemer. We thank you, Lord, that you didn't leave us as orphans, that you send your spirit to this earth until the work is done. We thank you for your presence this morning. We thank you for Easter Sunday and everything it represents. New life, new birth, the defeat of death, the defeat of the power of sin. We thank you for all those promises and we worship you now and we pray this worship will be holy and pleasing to you. And it will be if you send your spirit to us, which you promise. So come Holy Spirit, be among us and in us, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. I mean, so we've got a few notices. Um, there's loads in the bulletin because it, it was a double weeker. Uh, so have a good read of that uh, before bedtime. But just a few things to highlight. This evening, talking about a new birthday, we've got a baptismal service. Amen. Baptismal service this evening. There you go. So we've got two people that we're aware of that are getting baptised, Imogen Cotton and Ellie Burgess. Please pray for them as they prepare. They're probably both a little bit nervous Uh, but they're going to come up and give testimony to what Jesus has done in their lives. Invite your friends and family and maybe even people you don't even know. Just ask them to come along. It'll be really good. Easter offering. Graham's going to come up later on. Uh, Where's Graham? There he is. That's going to be an easy trek for you, isn't it? You've always got to sit on the end. It's much better. Uh, He's going to come up and share about the Easter offering uh, later on. AGM and Away Day. Normally when you say AGM, it's... But our AGM last year was fantastic. It's going to be the worst one we ever had because it was our first one. So we've learned some lessons. Uh, It's... um, I should know the start time, shouldn't I? One o'clock, come along for coffee and tea and then we'll start with worship at 1.30. So both open to members and others who worship us regularly. We do need to know if you're coming, just for numbers, for catering, so please let the office know this week. And um, after that, on Sunday, we have a whole church gathering. That's all three congregations here at Perry Street. Uh, I'm speaking, but you can still come. It'll, the other bits will be good. Um, and, um, uh, but because it's a busy weekend, there's no evening service. So uh, that's pretty much it, apart from one thing. You're, you're not coming up yet, are you, Graham? No. no we, we'll let you know when you're due. Sit down. (laughs) Sit down, please. Well, I didn't put it up. It's coming up later. Um, On a more serious note, I don't really know all the details, but I thought it'd be uh, uh, apt and proper to just stop and pause. It's a celebration day where we know that death has been defeated, there is new life, uh, but there is sad news that's still in the world. And um, I'm probably a bit late on this, but I know that there's been some tragedies in Sri Lanka where churches have been attacked. Uh, the last I heard, there's 100 people dead, and that's probably going to uh, rise. So there's churches being attacked on Easter Sunday. And as much as this is a celebration, we know that Jesus defeated death. There are people with huge sadness as a result of that. So let's just pause and pray, and then I'll hand over to Christine to lead us in worship. Father, we pray for our brothers and sisters in those churches in Sri Lanka and for all the persecuted churches. It brings home the reality of the freedom that we have, freedom to come in a place like this and worship, 
But you did say to us, Lord, that people would come against us. You said that we're blessed when people persecute us. We don't really know that so much in this country, but we do pray for all those victims in Sri Lanka. We thank you, Lord, that your love is stronger than death. But we do pray for the loved ones that are left behind, and we pray your peace. And as the, as the more information comes out today and during the week, I pray, Spirit, that you'd prompt us in our prayers to lift them up. And as we worship now, we give you all the glory, honour and praise on this day. A day that can only be achieved by Jesus, not by us, but one that he invites us to take part in. We thank you, Lord, for that privilege. In Jesus' name, amen. John through John 20, uh, 11 to 18. Uh, because I'm a children's worker, I am using the rainbow good news version, but it's pretty similar across most of them. So if you want to follow along, you'd be more than welcome to. Mary stood crying outside the tomb. While she was still crying, she bent over and looked into the tomb and saw two angels there dressed in white, sitting where the body of Jesus had been, one at the head and the other at the feet. Woman, why are you crying? They asked her. And she answered, They have taken my Lord away, and I do not know where they have put him. When we see angels in the Bible, we usually see fear and awe. We see soldiers and champions bowing low, falling on their faces in terror and worship when they see these messengers of God. But Mary doesn't flinch. These angels are hope and they are promised that the story isn't finished, but Mary can't see that. The bottom has been ripped out of her world, her Jesus is dead, and she can see nothing but darkness and falling. No past, no future, just falling. She can't pick herself up because she hasn't hit the ground. It's too much, too soon, and she doesn't know how to fix it. Then she turned round and saw Jesus standing there. But she didn't know that it was Jesus. Woman, why are you crying? Jesus asked her. Who is it that you're looking for? She thought he was the gardener. So she said to him, if you took him away, sir, tell me where you've put him and I will go and get him. She thought he was the gardener. She's falling apart and the answer is right there. But she can't see him. She can't even comprehend that after this, there's hope. Eyes full of tears, she can't see the answer because she's drowning in the problem. And it's too much, and it's too soon. And Jesus said to her, Mary, stop, breathe, be still, and know that I am God. The voice that spoke stars into being, set the world in motion, that calmed the storm. The first person he speaks to now is her. And with one word, with just her name, he says everything that she needs to hear. It's all right. I'm here. Don't look back. Just look at me. You don't need to do anything. You don't need to fix anything. I've fixed it and it's finished. I've got you. And that's the moment everything changes. The panic and the fear fall away like ashes. And she looks at him and the dawn light breaks through. New and bright and beautiful. Such joy. She turned towards him and said in Hebrew, Rabbani, this means teacher. Do not hold on to me, Jesus told her, because I have not yet gone back up to the Father. But go to my brothers and tell them that I am returning to him who is my father and their father, my God and their God. 
So Mary Magdalene went and told the disciples that she had seen the Lord and related to them what, she, what he had said to her. Don't cling to me, he says, which implies to me that she is doing just that. This woman who washed Jesus' feet with her hair, who bowed low before him, in this moment of joy, she forgets the awe and the reverence. She's swept up in love and gratitude and the desire to be near to him, to be caught up in him, this risen king who's fought back death to be here with her, to put all things to right. But the story isn't done. It's hardly even begun, because it isn't just Mary who was lost and drowning and trapped in the dark. There's a whole world to be liberated, to be set free and made whole and shown this light that breaks through the deepest darkness. To be told, you don't have to fix anything. I've got you. Don't look back. Just look at me. Jesus tells her, go and tell, and she does, because she has the answer and the joy is enough to share. Christ is risen. He's Hallelujah. In a second... uh, Graham's going to come up and do something about an offering, and it's going to be brilliant. And then we're going to sing, and it's a song all about joy. This whole day is all about joy. And some of us might show joy by standing and singing. If you are a different sort of person, I want to give you a chance to show joy in other ways this morning. So we've got the flags out, because it's Easter. You can't have Easter without the flags. I've got the instruments out, and I'm also going to put at the front some little crafty supplies. I've got some card and some pens and some paper. So if you show joy by getting creative and you want to draw or write, you'd be very, very welcome in the next song to come up and grab some bits and bobs and take them back to where you are and just enjoy Easter and the amazing thing that we have. Uh, Graham, over to you. So Charlotte talks of Mary, the first person to encounter Jesus, breaking social norms that a woman should be the first to know about the risen Saviour. And I want to talk a little bit about the disciples who, as Charlotte says, are probably lost, drowning and trapped in the dark, bewildered, upset, mournful, confused. What's going on? Our saviour, our friend, Christ, is dead. And we do not know what happens next. Despairing and shocked. Then, it says in scripture that Mary ran to where the disciples were staying. And we pick up this scripture in John 20. I'm going to read from the Passion Version. So she went running as fast as she could to go and tell Peter and the other disciples the one Jesus loved. Of course, it's in John because Jesus loved John. She t- They've taken the Lord's body from the tomb and we don't know where he is. In a couple of the Gospels, the disciples, it says, don't believe her because of the social norms, because they just cannot believe that this woman would come back and just say that Jesus has risen from the dead. They did not believe They would not believe. But in John, it says, 
that there were two disciples that did. Peter and the other disciple jumped up and ran to the tomb to go for themselves. They started out together, but the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. He didn't enter the tomb, but peeked in and saw only the linen cloths lying there. Then Peter came behind him and went right into the tomb. He noticed the linen cloths lying there, but the burial cloth that had been on Jesus' head had been rolled up and placed separate from the other cloths. Then the, the other disciple who had reached the tomb first went in, and after one look, he believed. For until then, they hadn't understood the scriptures that prophesied that he was destined to rise from the dead. And it says, puzzled, Peter and the other disciple then left and went back to the place they were staying. I asked some questions on Friday morning about how you approach Good Friday. Well, the question I asked this morning is, which disciple do you represent this morning? Are you the disciples that won't believe, that cannot believe that Jesus has risen from the grave. So you stay back, just wondering, bewildered. Or do you have the faith of Peter and the other disciple to just leave that place and run? Who here is a fast runner? I used to be. In fact, I liken myself to Peter in this story, who, with all the passion and gusto, runs out of that room with the other disciple. The other disciple, probably a little bit leaner, probably had a little bit less wine, a little bit less bread, a little bit less fish the night before. And there's Peter lumbering down to try and see the news, to see if his friend, the one who he had denied just a few nights before, was actually alive. I love the fact, though, that that speedy disciple, whoever he was, stops. He doesn't go into the tomb. He still can't quite believe it. But Peter, lumbering along, flies straight into the tomb. He wants to see where the Saviour is. His friend, his brother, his master. He isn't there. He isn't there at all. So which disciple are you this morning? Are you the fast-paced one that maybe just, when it comes to it, just holds back a little bit? I'm not too sure of this. Are you the one stuck back in the room, not believing at all? Or are you Peter, desperate, desperate to find your friend, desperate to find your saviour? Desperate to know if what the ladies had shared was true. Thanks, Christine. It's my turn now to do the final talk. We're very Trinitarian. There's been three talks. And uh, I've, got, I've got one of the important things of Easter. I've got my Easter egg. Look at that. Hey? It's a special one because it's salted caramel fudge Easter egg. Yeah, and um, I'm not going to share it. So just I don't, I'll put that somewhere over there. So I've got my Easter egg, so we've had Passion Week, we had last week, then we Palm Sunday. Anyone remember what Palm Sunday was about? 
Well done, Christine. Jesus came into Jerusalem on a donkey, a colt. He sent his messages ahead of him. They got it, so he didn't come in his Porsche turbo or stretch limo, uh, but he came quite meekly. Is that me making all that noise? What? I can't like walking around. Okay, I'll have to stay. I've got to stay here now. Who is? Oh, it's Tim. Oh, thanks, Tim. Thanks. Can you hurry up? So we had Maundy Thursday, Gethsemane, and I was going to wander around. Maundy Thursday, Gethsemane, Good Friday. What was good about Friday? Really? I mean, you think about it, Good Friday. I've had somewhere recently. Imagine if someone's going to pay my debt. And he said, Ian, do you want me to pay your debt? I say, yeah. He goes, oh, all right. I say, that's good. It's Good Friday. Jesus has paid my debt. And then finally, we've got Easter Sunday. This is really good. Uh, Charlotte was talking earlier on about getting to the tomb, and the tomb's empty. Gary's pretending he can run as fast as Pete. He can't. I've seen him run. It's, uh, it's miserable, really. Um, but... Uh, looking at their response, that's good. I'm going to pick up the story uh, of people that are on the journey with Jesus because so many of us are on a journey, aren't we? Sometimes it's not a, a thing that happens overnight. It's a bit of a journey. So I'm going to read this in Luke 24. We're picking up. And it's, the, it's called The Road to Emmaus where two people are walking along. Jesus is with them. They don't recognize him. You'd think they would by now. And he has to explain everything to him. He sort of does the whole Old Testament. So it must have been a long walk. So let, let's just listen to these. That same day, two of Jesus' followers were walking to the village of Emmaus. Seven miles. Seven miles. Who can walk seven miles? Really? Whoa. I can do five miles when I go on certain courses. Sometimes a bit longer if I zigzag, which is normally what I do. So seven miles from Jerusalem, as they walked along, they were talking about everything that had happened. So if something really big happens, you talk about it, don't you? You know, if something really, really good happens, you can't stop talking about it. So they're talking about it. As they talked and discussed these things, Jesus himself suddenly came and began walking with them. But God kept them from recognizing him. He asked them, what are you discussing so intently as you walk along? They stopped short, sadness written across their faces. And then one of them, Cleopas, replied, you must be the only person in Jerusalem who hasn't heard about all the things that have happened there the last few days. See, everybody had heard of what went on. It was so amazing, so incredible that everybody was talking about it. What things, Jesus asked. He's playing games with them now, I feel. The things that happened to Jesus, the man from Nazareth, they said. He was a prophet who did powerful miracles, and he was a mighty teacher in the eyes of God and all the people. But our leading priests and other religious leaders handed him over to be condemned to death, and they crucified him. I mean, there's this good man, a wonderful prophet, yet they do the dirty on him. It's horrible. We had hoped he was the Messiah who had come to rescue Israel. This all happened three days ago. Then some women from our group of his followers were at his tomb early this morning and they came back with an amazing report. They said his body was missing, that they had seen angels who told them that Jesus is alive. See? Jesus is alive. Some of our men ran out, which is the people that Gary likes to associate himself with, ran out to see and sure enough his body was gone just as the women had said. Then Jesus said to them, you foolish people, you find it so hard to believe all that the prophets wrote in the scriptures. Wasn't it clearly predicted that the Messiah would have to suffer all these things before entering his glory? He's saying to them, this is all predicted. They're still not recognizing him. They're still walking along. They don't really know who he is. And it then says, Jesus took them through the writings of Moses and all the prophets 
explaining from all the scriptures the things concerning himself. He can say concerning himself because, because all the prophecies were about him and he fulfills all of them. By this time, they're nearing Emmaus, and at the end of their journey, Jesus acted as if he were going on, but they begged him, stay the night with us since it's getting late. So he went home with them. As they sat down to eat, he took the bread and blessed it, and then he broke it and gave it to them. Suddenly, their eyes were opened, and they recognized him, and at that moment, he disappeared. So now they know it's Jesus, and they know that the things he's been saying are the words of Jesus. They said to each other, didn't our hearts burn within us as he talked with us on the road and explained the scriptures to us? It goes on to say that the two men from Emmaus told their story of how others, Jesus himself, was suddenly standing there among them. Peace be with you, he said. But a whole group was startled and frightened, thinking they were seeing a ghost. Why are you frightened? He asked, why are your hearts filled with doubt? Look at my hands, look at my feet. Touch me, it's really me. Make sure that I'm not a ghost. Because ghosts don't have bodies, as you see I do. And as he spoke, he showed them his hands and his feet. And they still stood there in disbelief, filled with joy and wonder. And then he goes on to eat with them. He asked them if they've got anything to eat. And he explains it to them again, about why he did what he did. He said, yes, it was written long ago that the Messiah would suffer and die and rise from the dead on the third day, which is what we're celebrating this morning. It was also written that this message would be proclaimed in the authority of his name to all the nations beginning in Jerusalem. There is forgiveness of sins for all who repent. You are witnesses of all these things. Amazing. And we've got two people tonight witnessing uh, to that power as well. This gospel message, this good news message has gone through generations. So Charlotte found that the tomb was empty along with Mary. Gary's team heard it and weren't sure they could trust the women, so they went and looked for themselves. We're picking up the story in the road to Emmaus. They're talking about everything that's happened, a huge event. Jesus joins them. They talk to Jesus about Jesus. See the irony. Apparently, he's alive. Jesus says in verse 25, why is it so hard to believe? Yet so many people don't believe that. But it was all written what would happen, but he explains it all again. Then he breaks bread with them, and then they know it's him. They tell their story to the others, and he's with them. Peace be with you. They touch him. They eat with him. It was written long ago that the Messiah would suffer and die and rise again on the third day. And it was also written that this message would be proclaimed to all nations. There is forgiveness of sins for all who repent. They realized... They realised who it was when. You can't answer again, Christine. You've had one already. When did they realise it was Jesus talking to them? Broke the bread. It's something important about that breaking the bread, isn't it? Jesus had broken bread before, before he was betrayed in what we call the Last Supper. It's where we get the word communion from, or the Lord's Table, or the Eucharist. The bread and the wine, the body that's been given for you, the blood that's been shed for you. That's why it's called Good Friday, because Jesus pays my debt, and that is good, because otherwise I have to, and it's not so good. He pays my debt. It's like I've got three points on my license. I owe the bank a load of money. And he says, do you want me to pay the debt? And I say, yes. He goes, I've done it. I say, good, Good Friday. But he's paid so much more than that. Following that, where he's broken bread on the way, sorry, he broke bread on the way on the way to Emmaus. He's broke bread when he institutes the Last Supper. Following that, he's in Gethsemane. On Monday, Thursday, we, we looked at that. He's about to be betrayed. He's in anguish, and he says, "My soul is overwhelmed. My Father, if it is possible, let this cup of suffering be taken away from me. Yet I want Your will to be done, 
not mine. And a few verses later, he actually says, my father, if this cup cannot be taken away unless I drink it, unless I drink it, your will be done. And it couldn't be taken away from him. He's the only one that could have drunk from that cup. He was the only one that could have taken that cup. See what he says, if this cup cannot be taken away unless I drink it, I'm not good enough, you're not good enough. He was the one. He was the Christos, the Messiah, sorry, the anointed one. Your will be done. He was the only one who could drink it. But you know, the good news is, the gospel is, it means that I don't have to. It means that when he was on the cross later on, and they said, if you are really the son of God, come down from there and save yourself. He couldn't because he was too busy saving me and you. He was paying for my debt and your debt. He was bearing my pain and your pain. There is a chasm that's been put between us and he brings it back together. He says, the work is finished. We receive mercy and grace. He wears my sin and he wears my shame and takes it to the cross. And the only reaction we can say is, hallelujah, praise the Lord, which we'll sing very soon. He was the only one who could drink of that cup. We drink from the cup that he spoke about just a few bits uh, passages before, the communion cup. More than one person can drink of that. That cup is for all. So we have two cups. We have two cups. We have the cup that only Jesus can drink. That brings guilt. He took all my guilt and my shame and he puts, him, puts, him, puts that on himself. That's the cup he drinks. So instead of my guilt, the cup offered to me and offered to you is one of forgiveness. Instead of the cup of bondage, I get the cup of freedom. Instead of the cup of darkness, we get the cup of light. Whatever, instead of the cup of hate, we get the cup of love. And instead of the cup of death, which is now defeated, we get the cup of life, if we want it. Because that's the offer. That is the offer of Easter Sunday, that Jesus died on Good Friday. There was desperation on Saturday, and he rises again on Sunday. Death is defeated. The power of sin is defeated. Amazing. Now, where's that Easter egg? Anyone see it? told you to take me. <laughs> Who says I had an Easter egg? One. One person. Adrian says, I don't believe Adrian. I don't believe him. He's only... One person. I saw, I saw. I'm nearly done. You, you saw me. Right, it's two people. But there's a couple of hundred of you here. Only two people saw me have the Easter egg. Oh, now you... I see. Now. Who saw me have the Easter egg? Right, so it must, it must be true, because there's too many people that saw it. If I said to you there was no Easter egg, you'd say, yeah, and you're a little bit nuts. And you'd be right, because there was an Easter egg, and here it is. Spoiling. Here's the Easter egg, right? I can prove I had an Easter egg, because it's there. I produced it. So, the Easter egg, we know it's true. Now, the thing is, what am I going to do with that Easter egg later on? Well, I'll tell you what, we've got a baptismal service tonight. I'll be here about half past five. If you're here with me, you can have some. Let's see how we get on with that. All your ten past ten jobbies, they'll be missing out, won't they? They won't be here. There's no point me having the Easter egg unless I unwrap the Easter egg. If I want to get to the chocolate, if I want to get to the good stuff, I've got to unwrap it. And now I'm going to unwrap it well before five o'clock. So if you turn up or not, you're not getting any. 
I'll, I'll leave it here. I'll leave it here. We've got to take off the wrapping to get to the important stuff. That gives us the reason to celebrate Easter. When we unwrap the egg, we get to the good stuff. Okay? So if all of you saw the Easter egg, when I look at all the evidence for the resurrection, it must be true. We unwrap that egg to get to the good stuff. We have to unwrap the gospel to get to the good news, the gospel. We know there was an empty tomb. Some said that to make up stories that the authorities and disciples stole the body. You know, people have been trying to crush Christianity for 2,000 years. They have still not produced the body. That's all they would have to do to make us all out to be fools. They can't produce the body because he is risen and he's not in the grave. He is alive. They cannot produce the body. Imagine, people have been trying to crush Christianity for years but the body isn't there. He is risen. We had the presence with the disciples, over 500 people, over six weeks, on about 11 different occasions. They weren't all making it up. It's like me saying, no, you're making up that you saw the Easter egg. It wasn't there. You're saying you must be crazy. But people still think that Jesus isn't real, despite all the evidence. They spoke with him. They weren't hallucinating. They touched him. They ate with him. And the immediate effect was explosive. The church just grew and grew and grew. And the effect down the ages and the experience of Christians, Jesus is alive today, right here, right now. And he's not just alive for Easter Sunday. He's alive forever, which means he is risen, he's alive, and I reign with him. And it means he's with me, he's with you, and you are his, and he is yours. And when we think back, what does that mean to us? He was overwhelmed in that garden of Gethsemane, overwhelmed with anguish, to the point of death, the Bible says. I'd say his message for us in the church, whatever's going on, and as we've heard already, some churches have seen real suffering today, it's time for us to be overwhelmed by Jesus. He was overwhelmed with passion in in that garden. He was overwhelmed on the cross. My father, my father, why have you forsaken me? He was overwhelmed when he said it is finished. And now we need to be overwhelmed with the Easter Sunday message of Jesus, that whatever we're going through, we're never alone. Whatever we feel we can't get through, we will. Think of your worst day you ever had. You made it through. Jesus is with you, and he promises to carry you to the very end of the age. Isn't that something worth celebrating? And I will, somewhere around three o'clock with my egg. I will unwrap it. God bless you all. I'm going to hand back two baptisms. It's going to be great to see what God has done in these people's lives. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you, Lord. We have a story there of two people on their journey. They didn't quite know you yet, but then finally they did. And I pray for anybody here that's on that journey that hasn't quite um, encountered you yet. I pray that you would open their eyes. And I pray you would bless on all of us this Easter Sunday. In Jesus' name, amen.